Websites are big projects to tackle. Templates, branding, copy, image selection, site design or customization, blog migration, portfolio updates, and so much more goes into creating a great website. What parts take how long though? What comes first, copy or design? And what can slow down the process? Most importantly, what can you do to speed it up so that it doesn't drag out for a year or more? This week, I sit down with Carly Kiker of Rightfully Said, the designers that we work with on most of our copywriting projects. And we're going to discuss common misconceptions about copywriting and design, how much time a website project actually takes to complete, what you can do to speed it up and still get great results, and quick tips to improve your current site. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Carly Kiker, thanks so much for coming on the podcast with me. I am super excited to have our conversation about websites because we have worked together for, gosh, going in three plus years now on website development and design and copywriting and branding. And you've been kind of a behind the scenes player with a lot of our clients. And now everybody gets to hear your voice. Yes. And hopefully it's a good voice. It's a voice for radio and a voice that everybody enjoys hearing. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you say it's a voice for radio because I get that a lot. But I also have a feeling that it's more like I have a face for radio. (laughs) That's why why podcasting versus TV, for instance, is kind of my area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do have a great voice. You're a great communicator. And I'm excited to get to chat with you in front of this amazing audience that you've built. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for coming on. You know me, I like to get straight to business. But before we do, because I always like to get to it, would you just share a little bit about your background? Because I think it's such a cool story, especially as it has evolved over the last you know 10 plus years. What, what's your tie to the wedding industry and to uh, website development? Sure. So I went to school for creative writing. That was my major. I had an emphasis in journalism. And right out of the gate, I started working at a magazine and a publishing company in Dallas. I did some internships in Los Angeles, which is near where I went to school, but ended up going back to Texas, which is where I lived. I actually started writing for the Dallas kind of society weddings magazine, doing some articles for them. And through that process, I interviewed the CEO of a major event planning company based in Dallas got connected with them, started doing some freelance in-house marketing for them. So we actually started by overhauling their website. I did all of their copywriting, interviewed them, later went on to start managing their social media, started doing a lot of press communications with them, you know, writing articles and submitting them to national publications and just built a lot of relationships, um, started networking through that relationship. And then that kind of parlayed into a whole freelance career that developed into an actual company. So uh, Taylor and I actually founded our company, rightfully said, in 2014. And we've been doing websites and branding and communication strategy and ongoing digital marketing ever since. That's a lot of work. How, so how long, I don't want to have to force you to show your age, but how, yeah. how many years have you been working as a, you know, a creative a freelancer or a creative agency altogether then? As an agency, we officially incorporated in 2014. Okay, um, so eight years with, a, with Rightfully Said. Sam, I'm going to trust all math to you. (laughs) No, but yes, um, that's correct. And I graduated college in 2011. So like the interim period is when I was still freelancing. I was actually still doing some websites and things on my own, but officially as an agency and then starting to bring, you know, more people onto our team to work with us started back in 2014. Okay. And you and I, we knew each other from when I was doing wedding work at Todd Events. We actually ended up on a fam trip in Bali, Indonesia, of all places. I know. 
And it's so crazy. Like what a bougie way to meet somebody like at a five star five diamond resort, you know, which was such a crazy trip, but all about experiential marketing and the intersection of kind of the experiential marketing and digital marketing, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And we've, and we've been connected ever since. And when Katie and I started doing the copywriting, we had reached out initially to use your copywriting services at, you know, as a freelancer. And what we realized uh, maybe six months into doing copywriting for our clients is that a lot of the copy would sit on a Google Doc and would go nowhere. Because it's really hard to get the copy onto a site if you aren't already working with a website designer. And so we reached out, Katie and I did, and said, Hey, how'd you like to partner up on some projects? We do the copy, you guys do the design so that our clients will get all of the things that they need from a visual, you know, visual branding style kit, fonts, colors, logo. You know, eventually we, we added templates for show it in Squarespace and then the customizing of the template to the client with the copy and the style kit so that we could deliver a finished project. And that's, that's what we've been doing for the last two plus years now. Yeah. And I think it's been so successful because there are so few people who actually specialize in designing websites around high volume or conversion copy. And that's now what we excel at doing because of our partnership. So um, I think coming like with me in particular, coming from a copywriting background, I understand that that is really should be the basis of the design versus you know, trying to like piecemeal it into something and it just ends up being fragmented. I remember when we first started working together um, before we were offering our own templates and designs, that was something that we saw a lot of is we would create this incredible copy. It's working, you know, the way it's supposed to, but then the designer would tear it apart. They would even cut out sections of the copy um, because they wanted to reduce it to fit into these kind of you know, pre-designed tiny little paragraph sections and it just wasn't working. So I love that now we're able to offer the total picture to people. Yeah. And that, you know, that's one of the things that I, I definitely wanted to cover today. Maybe we can start with that. I think there's a general confusion in the marketplace, in the wedding world, wedding industry of professionals who own businesses of what goes into a website. I think there's a bit of a mystery one of the things that that you and I both know is that the best websites, the ones that are built from the ground up, typically start with what is the communication strategy? What what is going on with the ideal buyer? What are they driven by? Not just you know the demographics, but the psychographics, their their beliefs and values and emotional triggers. And then you can start working with the visual brand and also with the copywriting that's going to go onto the website. And then after all of those things kind of come together, you you then start you know designing the site around it, that around the story that needs to be told and dress it up the way that it needs to be dressed up to appeal to that buyer. Has it always been that way? Or is that something that you ended up evolving to over the last decade plus? You know, I'd say that's the way it's supposed to be. But there is such a market out there right now for cheap templates that are just all based on design. And they're just really pretty that it's getting cut out of the process a little bit. So people are kind of trying to do a DIY thing where they're like, oh, I can do the copy or I have copy and I'll just take what I have and slap it into this template and it'll automatically look better and work better, but it's usually not working for them. So Mm -hmm. it should be that, you know, every time, you know, whether you're working with us or you're working with anybody else, you're going into a website overhaul or redesign process you've got your brand strategy on lock. You know, you've got your, your logo is, is polished. It's ready to go. It's reflective of your current ideal buyer and who you want to be attracting. You've got a complete style kit ready to go for your website and you've got your copy ready to go. And you should design around that copy instead of having something really pretty and then trying to kind of write to fit that, you know, that that's a little bit harder to do. An exception, of course, is the compass templates because we guide you through how to do that, right? But if you're doing it on your own, it's a lot more difficult to know for sure that you've achieved a successful overall website and strategy if you don't have those pieces in place before you begin the design process. And you know what's interesting is that 
what we see from the creative agencies that we work for, you know, we do a lot of work with with you and Taylor, but we also we, we come in second sometimes um, in the project and uh, somebody else who's designing the site, you know, is first. And we usually get on a phone call with them and have a conversation and they tell us the same thing that you're saying now, which is that, oh, I'm so glad that we're working on this before we get going because mm-hmm. most people, including our shared client, think that that you get going on the design first. But what I, I really need and I prefer is to have the copy done yes. and then I can design the site around the copy. Yes. And, you know, we work obviously with ID Action a ton. And we also work with private clients. And whether we're working with you guys or just kind of doing a project on our own, we always require that the copy is done, whether it's us who we've done it, whether you guys have done it, whether the client's done it themselves, we have to have all of it in hand before we'll even begin on a homepage mock-up because otherwise you may end up having to scrap some of the design work and it just ends up being kind of a waste of time. Well, wow, it's interesting. So that's like a venue requiring a client, a couple to bring in at least a day of coordinator, if not somebody to plan the wedding fully, because the venue knows what a nightmare it can be to deal with a couple that is without a guide. Right. And, and so you're seeing the work that you have to do and the rework that you have to do so problematic yes. that you're requiring the copy to be done first. Yeah. And like we said earlier, we've been in business now like eight years. I mean, we've done this long enough to see that if we don't do it this way, it's not going to have as successful of an outcome. And so we've created a checklist of all of these different items that we ask people to provide upfront. And it does, I think at the outset feel like it is quite a bit of work. We're asking you to go through and provide us even with like press badges and places you've been featured. And of course, all your testimonials, things like that. We're, we're trying to gather all of that in advance, but the benefit to the client is that you've done all your photo selection. You've finished all the copy. It's handed over to us and you can be totally hands-free and just sit back while your site is in development. And then you get to look at it all together as a beautiful preview and go through it and experience it like your clients will instead of this constant back and forth, like, Hey, we're almost done, but we just need this one more thing. And then we can put the bow on it. And it just creates a much more seamless experience for our clients. And then it frees us up to do our most creative and our best work as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've been working together on for, I don't know, six, 12 months now Mm -hmm. where you gave us, for instance, this list. And now we have Gretchen, our client experience manager, who manages the projects for our clients when there's overlap between the two. And we're like a third of our clients end up working with you. Mm -hmm. And it's been very, very helpful because there's so much work that goes into creating a website. And, And this is one of the reasons why I think, you know, obviously Squarespace and Show It, you know, they've done a huge service to small business owners, especially creative types in the wedding industry are benefiting from this, you know, kind of democratization of access to develop your own site. 10 years ago, it wasn't like that. You had to pay somebody and it was a lot of money and it was a no, it was just a necessary expense, but, but now you can DIY a lot of it. One of the challenges though, whenever you're DIYing something is that you don't know what you don't know. And without a guide to push the information in front of you, you get started or, you know, on the path and then you end up going far enough along where you're committed to it and you can't really turn back without a loss of some sort, whether it's time, energy or money. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to keep going. But then you're like, oh my gosh, the, like it, the, the path keeps winding past this corner. I didn't know what was on the other side of the corner, but now that I do, I got to go and do that. And right. I got to go and do that. And then, oh my gosh, there's this other thing that I got to do. And it just seems like it's one thing after another. We've learned the hard way sometimes too, that there's more work that goes into it than you initially think. I'm wondering, what are some of the biggest time sucks that you see in designing a website or developing a website with a client that you wish that people knew before they ever got started? Hey, you should get this taken care of before you get too far along. The very first thing that comes to mind is photo selection. This is something, and I think in particular, when we work with photographers, it's like, oh, that should be the easy part. But (laughs) there's such a high volume of images to cull through. 
And, you know, some people are comfortable with us. Like they're like, Hey, I'm just going to dump on you all my favorite stuff. You pick the best. I trust you. But if you're not that person and you want to be extremely hands-on about what goes where, and you want to be really intentional about, you know, this is what I want on my homepage and stuff like that. It can take quite a bit of time. And so that is one of the biggest pieces I would say that can cause some interruption to the flow. Um, it, it doesn't have to though. All you have to do is sit down, take a look at your site map, you know, you know, which pages we're going to be developing. And if you've got your copy, which, you know, we always say you have to have your copy in advance and you want to be the one who is picking photos for different slots, then look at what's in the copy and think about what photos that you've taken or that you have on, on hand in your portfolio that really support the verbiage that's on your site and, you know, spend some time doing that, spend focused time doing it. And then if you do get stuck, like share, you know, your top 10 favorites and trust the designer to make the best choice because we've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of images and we're really good at doing it. Um, But that can be something that really tends to slow people down And other than that, I would say it's always feedback. So a lot of people get paralyzed um, and they, they start to get nervous or they second guess like, oh my gosh, we're so close to the finish line, but oh wait, I need my aunt Susan to look at this and I need my business coach to see it. And I need like to put up an Instagram poll and whatever. And all of that is fine, but we highly recommend giving yourself a set period of time to open yourself up for review and to personally review the site as a whole yourself so that it's not stretching out, you know, five, six weeks. And then you start to really second guess a lot of things. You know, it's kind of like when you're planning a wedding, like if you take too long of a step back, then you start to be like, I don't even like bohemian stuff. I'm a classic. (laughs) (laughs) And you change everything. You have to undo and then redo. And it's a mess for everybody. More time, more stress, more expenses. Nobody's happy about it. Exactly. And, and then you probably end up second guessing the second guess, you know, so we really encourage people to just set parameters for different review periods and then like trust the process as a whole and trust the work that you've done in advance. And that's why, again, like having a guide, having this roadmap established, it's going to ensure that you get to a successful point as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that thing about like setting a a time parameter. We we work with our own copywriters and, you know, they they want the copy to be as amazing as possible for all of our clients. And, you know, we, we try and balance getting the project done in the allotted time. And, you know, it's... I don't know, it could be 25 to 40 hours somewhere in there. So there's a lot of work that goes in just at the copywriting part, the equal amount for the communication strategy. So, you know, we could spend two full work weeks on a project. One of the things that our team wants to do is make sure that every last I is dotted, T is crossed, the, you know, all of the voice of customer is in there, the hooks are perfect, everything is 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 spot on. And so you know, we have, you know, this pressure from, you know, trying to get the project done, the client. And also, frankly, for me and Katie, of like, hey, guys, right. we got we to gotta wrap it up. Like, right. like, you can't, you can't, you know, like go through like 17 drafts, you like be happy with like six. Yeah. And yeah. so, so we tell them like, you got to set a bell, you know, like set a timer for 30 minutes or whatever it is. And when the timer goes off, then you're done, mm-hmm. you know, or you only get four iterations. And then after that, you know, you can't send it out for feedback within the team anymore because mm-hmm. I think we're all perfectionists, maybe not in attention to detail. I know I'm not in attention to detail, but I am for performance. You know, I, like if it's an A minus, that's a fail for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, I think all of us who put something out there that we create, create into the world, especially on behalf of clients who are trying to do that for their own business, we have a lot of pressure on us to make sure it gets done right and gets done well. And I think that that's kind of the block that people see when they pick their photos, for instance, is, hey, this is going out to the world. This is representing who I am and what I believe and and what I can do for my clients. And it needs to be amazing. And anything less is going to be a failure. And so I think that there's some resistance that, that we see in the project completion. For sure. And I mean, I'm not going to undersell the importance of the imagery because for that in particular, like I do feel like great photography can make or break a site. So it is really important. At the same time, the good thing about the way websites are now is that it's so much easier to update them. 
than it ever used to be. So it's not like if you choose a hero image and you see it go live and it's like, it's just not, you're not vibing with it. It's not the perfect one. Guess what? It will take you two seconds to swap it out. Let's get you live. And we can keep adjusting as we need to. Um, there is just so much, I think, paralysis sometimes or like right before the launch where you just get really nervous to put it out there. But again, I think you can have confidence as long as you're working with the right guide who knows where you want to go and they know how to get you there. And they've done it a hundred times before you can feel good about pressing publish, knowing that you also are, if, if you're working with us in particular, we're always going to try and build you on a platform that makes it easy for you to make some quick edits as you need to, so that you're not ever in a situation where, where it's like, oh my gosh, this person just quit. I need them off my website immediately. And I can't get in touch with my web people. And it's been up for two weeks too long. You know, we, we try to empower people to be able to make at least minor edits to both the aesthetics and some of the functionality on their own, if they want that capability, but we're also always there to help assist them with that on an ongoing basis too. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great point to bring up because so many people think that once you get the template or once you get on a platform that after that, it's all super easy and and it can be, but like all things you have, like it's never easy in the beginning. You've got to learn how to do something. Just my own experience in working with Squarespace and show it, uh, it does take a little bit of time, but after a while you become so familiar, it's like riding a bike. But I think, you know, we've identified two things that you can do as a business owner, as you're looking at going through a website project while the branding is being done, while the copy is being written, while the site is being designed, at the very least, you can get a jump start on picking your photos yes, and making sure that, that you could do that now. Like if you're thinking about, if you're listening to this now and you're thinking about doing a website in January, you can get started today if you wanted yeah. to, to pick your photos. Another thing you can do is you can learn the platform that you're on to figure out how to edit things so that you can actually do the updates and not drag the project down by not knowing how to update a photo or make a small adjustment or tweak the style kit if you needed to. Those are all things that you can and should do. And Squarespace and ShowEd and others, they have all sorts of tutorials that are available where you can learn and, you know, little two to 10 minute videos, what it is that you need to do. Getting that practice ahead of time is going to save you time when it matters most. For sure. And then you won't feel nervous. You know, I think is nervous about going live because you know, you have the tools that you need to go in and fix little things as they arise. And, you know, updating your website is something that's important. Like you should be checking regularly for like little breakdowns in terms of the user experience or things that could be improved or like if you're continuing to have clients ask you the same questions over and over and over, like that's maybe an indicator of, Hey, let's add a little bit of copy about this. And there's going to be things after your launch that should be added or adjusted or tweaked. And that's normal. So I think if people can take a deep breath and realize like, okay, it's going to be done and it's going to be absolutely excellent. It may not be perfect. Things rarely are, um, but it's going to be excellent. And it's going to perform really well for you. And as little issues arise, you will have the ability to fix that yourself or you have a team in place. You know, if you're working like with us in particular, we really strive to be available to help you whenever you need to make an adjustment. So let's talk about time frame altogether, because I think everybody wants to have a better website. People who are listening to this episode may be thinking about how can I DIY it? And some people are thinking, what do I got to do to get a custom site? And then there's a lot of opportunity in the middle of those two ends of the spectrum. When you're going through and thinking about like say, for instance, planning your own wedding. Most wedding planners that I know end up spending somewhere in the neighborhood of 175 to 250 hours for each client for planning a wedding. That doesn't count the time that the couple spends. And it could be more or less depending if you have a tent or if it's destination or whatever it may be. But let's just say it's 200 hours that the planner spends. And then this is what I've read is that it's about six hours per week over the course of a 14-month engagement. So just some fast math is 360 hours is what the couple's spending. So if you looked at how much time does it take to plan a wedding between the couple and the planner, you're looking at 500, 600 hours. Now, if you were to look at that as how long does it take to get a website done, 
how many hours does it all take? And I mean, we can't do this on the fly. You already said, Sam, don't make me do math in public. (laughs) Y'all can't see Carly on the video here, but she's like, oh no, he's going down the the math route. But I'm just thinking of the contribution of time that the person who's getting the website made, plus the time that the designer and the branding and the copy. I mean, we spend for copy, we spend... 25, 35 hours on average doing a communication strategy, plus another 25 to 35 hours doing the copywriting, plus edits and things like that. So we could be 60 to 70, maybe even 80 hours spent doing the copywriting. And we know that people who try to DIY their copy with a template, for instance, even if they spent half that time and they did it in their spare time, it would take them weeks or months to actually complete the project. Add on to that style kit, design, you know, all of that stuff. So I guess my question is knowing that we're spending 60 to 80 hours doing the copywriting part of it, how much more time do you think it would take for the project to be completed? Gosh, that's so hard for me to even quantify in particular too, because every website has different functionality needs. And so that can seriously, you know, change your timeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think also this happens to us all the time where people are like, Hey, can you fix this one thing for me? It should take you 10 minutes. And like nothing takes 10 minutes. (laughs) Right. It it takes Um, an hour too. Yeah. So, and things add up and things can really stretch a lot further. One easy way to think about it is the proposal templates that we've worked on together. So ID Action developed these incredible proposal templates. They're add-ons that can go on your website and it helps you like make the best sales pitch ever. And it look, it just comes right from your website. So when we go in and we are just customizing that template for a client. So we have all the copy that's already been written. So I don't know how many, how many hours would you say you guys put into like developing the copy for that? Six to 10. Okay. So that's six to 10 hours already. Um, We have the images provided by the client. So let's say they took at least one to two hours on that. And then we as professional designers with the pre-existing, you know, layout that we have already created are still spending sometimes three to even five hours on occasion, just plugging everything in and making it look perfect. And the reason that is, is because even though there are like slots created for, you know, a header and a sub and things if your copy isn't like to the character, the same as the template, then there's going to be some spatial adjustments. We, as you mentioned, are perfectionists. We want it to look beautiful and flawless. We go in and we not only optimize for web, but then we go in and optimize for mobile. That alone can take hours, especially if you don't know what you're doing and you're not super familiar with working. I would say particularly with show it, it's a little bit more involved. Squarespace, if you're using like a native Squarespace structure, it, it does automatically convert to mobile pretty easily, but there's still some manual adjustments that you'll have to make. So that's just a one page type of add-on. Yeah, that's, to the that, and that's helpful. Okay. So, so I, I just did the math. We're looking at 10, 15 hours and that's with professionals who are experts and that's for one page. And that's if the copy is written to the wireframe for right. the template. And, and we, we look for 5 to 10% of a character count within the template. That's, that's what we shoot for. So there's minimal tweaks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you extrapolate that for a full site, you know, you could look at somewhere between 50 to 75 hours of work plus the additional work that needs to be done for creating the communication strategy plus the photo selection and the branding or the style kit and and all of that. So let's just say it was a hundred hours. So if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to work on my website in the fall when I'm done with busy season or, or whatever it may be in the winter when you're done with busy season and it rolls around to March or April of the following year and you wonder why you're not done. It's because you have to spend a hundred plus hours getting this work done. And that's if you have nothing else going on. Right. And I was going to say, it's really hard too, if you're breaking that process up and taking long pauses and then trying to get back into it, it, mm-hmm. it breaks your flow. It can break your overall vision for the site. 
And that's, I mean, is it impossible to go it alone? No, it's not. And some people are able to successfully carve out the time and the space to really invest in doing that process, but it is harder and you should be prepared to put aside a significant chunk of time. Um, with us, you know, we ask people to allow five to six weeks. Um, obviously, you know, we are, we're fast and efficient at what we do. We're not exclusively working on one project at a time. There are multiple people, but we've got an incredible system going. So as soon as you hand over your information to us, like we're rolling and we're able to turn around a really beautiful and complete site that all you have to do is like, check it out experience it like your clients will sign off on it and we're ready to go live. And we're going to also as a bonus, give you like cool launch graphics to help you celebrate. So, um, it is, it can be a much more seamless process. I think when you go the less DIY route. You know, and it's, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of wedding business owners, my, myself included bootstrap it and start off with, you know, not with DIY as the anchor, and I think that most of us get going in that direction. And that, that's an okay thing to do. I do think that as I've learned as a business owner, you know, because we provide advice, obviously, for wedding professionals, but we own our own business too. I mean, ID Action Consulting is a five, you know, five and a half, six-year-old company now. And, and we go through the same types of experiences as the people who listen to this podcast do. And I was really reluctant to pay money for somebody to work on our website for many years mm -hmm. because I was one of those guys who thought, you know, I can do this myself. I, I can write. And I also thought I know the psychology of why people make decisions and, and I could feed that in. I was always really weak on visual branding as, as Carly knows. <laughs> and that, that was always the struggle, the struggle for me, you know, it takes some time to kind of learn the platforms and whatnot. But what, what I realized is that when I went through and looked at the amount of time that I was spending and frankly, the stress and frustration that I was feeling, and then I weighed that against the opportunity costs of what I could have been doing for right. what I what I love doing, what I was really good at doing, business coaching at the time, I, I realized it just wasn't a good trade-off. And I think that that's something that takes some time to come to. So, you know, even if you and I didn't do the work that we do, where we could help people who are listening to the podcast, I would still recommend wearing my business coach hat that whatever it is that you're gonna do for your website. Remember that you would tell your own clients not to DIY it, especially with something as important as this. One of my favorite lines to keep in mind is don't trip over dimes to pick up pennies. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what a lot of wedding pros get stuck in when they think about their website is that they're thinking about how much money they're going to spend, but they don't think about how much money they're not making by waiting to get the website done. If it takes you six to 12 months to DIY it, how much money did you lose because you didn't have a great website that was bringing you money in? So I just, you know, remind people to, you know, keep that, that thought, uh, as you get into the, the next part of your business where you feel like you need a website to help out. Obviously, it's your online storefront. It's more and more important as the years go by. Even five, six years ago, when I first started doing sales coaching, I would be the first one to say, yeah, you know, the goal of the website is just to generate the inquiry. There's nothing more that it really does for you. But it's so much more than that since people are growing in their desire to shop online and to avoid talking with another human being. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about that, Carly. You know, what are some of the things that you think that a website should do for the people who are, are on the site? For the people who are on the site. So I think they should be able to find the information they're looking for as quickly and efficiently as possible. This is one of the number one things that we see that just makes us cringe is when like prettiness is totally prioritized over functionality. It obviously, we want it to be beautiful. Um, it has to have that form. It has to be attractive, but it really, people need to find what they're looking for as, as quickly as they can. And um, I, actually a current project comes to mind. We're working with this amazing winery. They're located kind of in your neck of the woods. Um, they are like the coolest people, amazing aesthetic. We touched up their branding and everything. We're so excited to get it out there. And they had um, started with a DIY website on Squarespace. And if you just looked at it 
from an aesthetic point of view, it did not look bad. Like I have seen far worse websites, but Taylor and I, when we were examining the pages, okay, like seeing what they already had going, um, it took us as like, again, professionals who've been doing this for years and years, like three different times of looking at their website to find three of the pages. Cause it just, the navigation was very like funky and contemporary looking and it, it just wasn't working. Like I would be shocked if any of their users were able to find those pages ever, especially because a lot of the people who we know are on their website are a little bit older. They're trying to subscribe to this, like you know, wine club situation. Um, so there's no way that they, they knew how to use that menu bar if we couldn't. Um, so that is something where like, you have to be able to, to direct your clients to where they need to go. Um, give them like an easy roadmap to follow within your copy, give them clearly labeled buttons that get them to your contact page so that they can inquire, because obviously that's really important for you. And then you want them to have an immediate sense of who you are and what your brand stands for um, and what you as a person stand for. I think that's so important. People are so turned away by uh, disingenuine, you know, people mm -hmm. and um, they want authenticity. I think we all are just looking for somebody that we can genuinely connect to and your website is going to help you do that. Um, it's not going to help you avoid all phone calls. It's not going to cut out all price shoppers forever and ever. Like it, it <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, it would be amazing if you like never had to have a phone call again, and you just showed up to a multi-million dollar wedding. You know, to your ideal client, having never spoken to them on the phone or have had to dealt with like any red flags. It's not going to do that for you. It should significantly reduce like the wrong quote, quote, type of people who inquire and, you know, some of the time that you waste, like answering frequently asked questions over and over again, it should cut down on that, but it's never going to take it away completely, but you should provide just a great sense of who you are so that the people on your site have the opportunity to feel like, Oh, I'm making a connection with this person before we ever get on the phone. And then it makes your job from that point as easy as it can possibly be. You know, I'm reading um, Simon Sinek's Start With Why, and it's, it's, it's very focused on brands that begin with a, a cause, a purpose, or a belief, and then how they, they deliver that in the form of a product or a service, the what. And most companies end up starting with the what they, they provide or what they do and how they do it and, and forget altogether the why they're, they're even in business. One of the things that I think is important to highlight in what you just said, because you're spot on with, you know, this idea of authenticity um, and, and, you know, people being able to sniff out somebody who's disingenuous is that you've got to focus on the right things that you want people to get to know about you and your brand. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of those, I think, misconceptions is that people want to get to know you personally how many kids you have, what your favorite drink is, um, where you like to go on vacation. Those are interesting things, but that's not what they're really after. What they're really after is what you stand for and what you believe in and the purpose for your business and why that helps your clients get what it is that they want from you. So when you're thinking about the website and what it can do for you, it's not just to have them get to know who you are from a personal level, but really focus on who you are as a professional brand and make sure that your about page speaks to that. And just that you care genuinely about them. Not just like I, one of my favorite things, Sam, that you always throw out there is like, nobody cares like what your cat's name is or like whatever, you know, like those little things. And I mean, that can be cute to include on your website in a fun, small little section, just you know, for kicks, but the meat of your copy, especially on your about page, absolutely. It should be geared towards like, what is the heart behind why you do what you do and why does it matter to the person who's reading it? And I think in particular, having been a bride, having gone through kind of a frustrating process when I was looking to plan my wedding and I could not find somebody who could articulate to me, like, what can you do that I can't do on my own? I just, it's easy to start feeling like you're just a number 
you know, like it's, oh, there's people out there with bigger budgets. Like they're not really going to care what I have to say, or I, I know that I'm not going to get their prime attention or whatever. I I'm think not good enough. Is, yeah. is, that's what people are feeling when they're looking at the sites. I'm not worth, I'm not worth their time. Yeah. And especially I've seen this so much in the wedding industry, maybe just since social media has become such a massive you know, pillar of everybody's marketing efforts, but there's such an emphasis on trying to look like a celebrity yourself among a lot of people. And that's, there's nothing wrong with having a, a huge following and stuff, but I think there can be a sense of posturing. Um, I hope I'm not step, like offending anybody by saying that, but like not me because I am not posturing at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to make yourself look like almost unattainable and, you know, even showing other people within your industry, how successful you are, that there's a little bit of the sense of losing sight of that customer who is still there and they want your full attention. They want to feel like the celebrity. They want to feel taken care of. They want to feel listened to and your copy can help them feel that way. And your website can help navigate them through your copy, you know, so that they eventually feel like, wow, I've already been seen and heard. I'm going to go ahead and reach out and it just helps you establish rapport right from the beginning. You know, one of the other things that if anybody's listened to the podcast quite a bit or heard me talk is that, you know, the goal during the buyer's journey is to make somebody feel seen and heard and understood and ultimately accepted and important. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what you're trying to do on your site is to connect with them and communicate that in as fast a way as you possibly can. That could be through visual branding. That could be through the information that you share. It could be through a personal connection that you're making. And at least in the very beginning, it could be the photos that you choose. Well, you know, whatever it may be, that's what you're trying to do with, with your site. And it's, you know, it, it's tough. It's, I'll be honest, it's really tough. There's a lot of work that goes into a great site, just like there's a lot of work that goes into a great wedding. And right. it it's tough to do when you don't have a lot of experience at it, which most people don't with their website. I want to go back and highlight, Carly, something that you said about navigation and also calls to action. We have seen over the last several years, website developers and people who crank out templates create really beautiful sites that are very interesting to look at. One of the things that we see that's a bit of a pet peeve of ours is really small calls to action. Like you mentioned, you're going through and you're skimming the site. When you first get to a site, you're going to skim it. 80% of the people are going to skim it. And if you can't easily see the calls to action or read the navigation at a quick glance, it's hard for people to take the next step, which is really what you want them to do when they land on that homepage. So one of the things that I recommend doing, I've said this before, I, I kind of like it. I don't know if I heard it somewhere else or if I just made it up, but <laughs> if, if you can, like I wear glasses, if you can take your glasses off and stand about six feet back from the screen and you can still see where the call to action is, then it's visible enough for somebody who is skimming your site. Yeah. But if you have to pay close attention or have somebody point out where the call to action is, then it's not going to be picked up by somebody who's skimming your site. And so that's a quick little blurry eyed test is, is what I've heard of it called as in different situations. And I would recommend everybody do that and go through their site and figure out how many of the calls to action can you see while squinting your eyes standing six feet back and, and, and just make a note of it because that's a huge issue. And then also, like you said, not having enough calls to action on the site itself. Every page should have two to five calls to action and lots of opportunity for people to click through to the next thing that you want them to see. But most most sites that we see don't have enough calls to action. They have a lot of room for photo, a lot of room for copy or a little room for copy and very, very few calls to action. And it's it's the reason why page engagement is so low. Yeah. And your calls to action are important because it's really guiding people through almost a little sales funnel. You know, you're sending them to exactly where you want, want them to go. And you should make it easy for them to follow that path that you've outlined through your copy and through the supporting design. And it is, it is a sales funnel uh, in the sense that you're going through and looking at, you know, providing the right info at the right time in the right way. And on your site, you want to move people from whatever stage of awareness they're at, unaware, problem aware, solution aware, maybe even product aware and get them to the next stage. And that next stage is going to be through the call to action. What that's, that's what you've done. And so ultimately at the end, you want people to get to the point where they're so interested enough in your products 
that they're ready to move to be product aware. And that's that's when they inquire and that's when the sales process really starts. So each page is doing a certain, you know, one thing, one, one page, one goal. And the homepage is to get people through to some other page based on where they're at in their, their, their buyer's journey. And then that next page is goal is something that you've got to work towards. You got to know what it is before you can expect the result. If you were to go through and think about some quick fixes for people to make on their websites right now, what's, you know, what are some top like three, four things that you can think of? Clear navigation, uh, lots of calls to action. What else would you recommend that people do from a, a design or a layout perspective to their sites to make it more effective at getting ideal clients? Sure. So this might seem kind of random, but a lot of websites just have a contact form and they don't actually include like a phone number and an email address. And I would always recommend that in addition to your contact form, you have those two things listed because there is a lot of, I think a lot of people have this feeling like, oh my gosh, if I fill out a contact form, it's just going to go into the abyss. And how do I know if they're ever going to actually get that? I get that a lot of people want to use their contact form to kind of pre-screen in a, in a way, but don't miss out on the inquiry because you didn't just provide a phone number as well so that people can get to you even quicker. So go in and add that if you don't have that already. Another thing is don't sleep on the footer, like use yeah. your footer to do something for you, you know, get some good SEO, like type verbiage down in there about who you are, where you're located and who you serve, include your social media links down there, have your live Instagram feed so that your website is always looking reflective of your current portfolio. I think that the footers that can be a really cool like design space as well to just add a little bit of umph and flair uh, to your website. There's something else I was just thinking of, but my mom brain interrupted me and it (laughs) went away. I feel like it's going to come back though in a couple of minutes. All right. Well, if it does, you just tap in. (laughs) I love the the contact is I think a really great uh, recommendation as a a boss buyer type myself. I'm like, I don't have time to fill out a contact form. Yeah. And, and so I'm just looking for the email address of the person that I can send a quick little note to. And especially if I see more than five or six contact form fields, I'm donezo. Yeah, exactly. And I I do a lot of secret shopping for, for my clients, uh, especially when I do a sales process audits, I go through and fill out the form. I have dummy email addresses that I have set up. And uh, I go through and complete them. I'm like, oh my gosh, and I, I'm at the 17th form field. Really? You know, I, I just want to know what it looks like on the other side of this. And, and so having that, especially down at the bottom, easy to find in the navigate, like in the footer navigation on any page, people can reach out to you. If somebody wants to just send a quick text, that's a good way to do it too. So I think that's really smart. You know, one of the biggest goals of the website is to generate an inquiry in your inbox Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't really care how that comes through. So at at the end of the day, that's a a huge measure of the success of your website and you should make it as easy as possible for people to inquire. If you're overloaded with inquiries, then maybe making it harder to enter your inbox is something that you want to do, but make sure you're doing that deliberately. Uh, You know, a lot of people who start out or learn from people who are trying to pre-qualify their inquiries heavily, they end up spending too much time creating these insurmountable contact forms. And, and so they wonder why they don't have any inquiries. It's because they've made it really difficult, but unbeknownst to themselves. So, First of all, my thought came back to me. It's related to mobile view. So remind me of that if I lose it again. But while we're still talking about contact forms, I don't know how you feel about this, but I personally, I know when I was a bride, I was so turned off in particular by the field that asked like, what's your budget range? Because I felt first of all, like, oh, I should, I should fudge it a little bit to seem like I have more money to put towards this than I really do. And it made, <laughs> it made me feel insecure, you know, like, well, I don't want to be at the bottom tier because if I, if I choose the lowest one that they have listed, then they're not going to want to work with me. And I don't know it to me, it, it again goes back to like, I'm sure that's very helpful as the wedding professional to see, okay, how much are we talking here? Like, but it, the message it communicated to me as, as a bride was like, if you don't have this much, you ain't worth my time. You know, I don't think yeah. anybody wants to feel that way. So again, maybe if you're strongly trying to 
pre-qualify your inquiries and get written, you have to do some serious weeding out. Maybe that's a, a good route to go, but that personally always rubbed me the wrong way when I was a buyer. What are your yeah. thoughts? Oh yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's unhelpful for a number of different reasons. One, because I think that people just make stuff up. You know, like I kind of giggled when you said the idea of like people just put in a higher number. Yeah. Um, it, it reminds me that um, I read somewhere that the average male on match.com inflates his height by almost four inches. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, I've read something similar about uh, how much money people make. Yeah. And and what's what's interesting is that in the dating world, women in this particular situation, you know, on match.com, they are aware that that is the case. And so if they see somebody who's five foot 10, they really think that they're five foot six or five foot seven. If yeah. somebody's six foot two, they're really five foot 10. So they're already factoring that in. I do think that wedding pros don't factor it in. And when they get an inquiry for somebody who reaches their minimum and, and they get ghosted later on, a lot of the reason is because those people were aspirational clients anyways, right. Right. and they had no business buying, but they just made it up because they want to see what's on the other side of the fence. So even if you're trying to pre-qualify clients, I think that there are better ways to do it. Even millionaires don't know how much something costs and also don't like sharing how much money they're going to spend because they feel like they're at a disadvantage in negotiations. And yeah. so um, they feel like it, whatever number they they mention uh, is going to is going to be a number that that person is going to try and get them to go towards. And so they they lowball the number sometimes because they think that they're into a negotiation and that creates psychological reactants. I mean, there's all sorts of negative things that pop up, but just like when you're dating somebody, you don't want to ask them like, Hey, can I, can I know how much money you make before we go on our first date? Like that would not be a great way to start off a date. So, and it's, it's the same thing on, on a contact form. So bottom of the services page, you know, starting at, I like, even if you wanted to put it at the top of the contact page, if you're really getting hit with a lot of price shoppers, you could put it there and just mention your starting at price, but I do not recommend putting it into a contact form. The next place that you would do, if you're still getting a bunch of looky-loos and tire kickers is to put it on your inquiry response. That first email that you send out either a link to a hidden page with some more information, including your starting at price, or you could even name it in the email. But, uh, you know, the more you talk about price, the more you're at a disadvantage. Yeah. And I, I love the starting at as well, because it's approachable. It's like, okay, I can get a feel for that. And I can decide, you know, if, if I'm within like their range or not. Yeah. Um, going quickly. Yeah, tell me about the mobile. Yeah. Tell me about yeah, the, mobile. the mobile thing. Something I have seen on so many sites is that it's a beautiful desktop site, but on mobile, it looks so janky. And this includes even stuff that's done by other professional companies. And I think a part of why that is, is because maybe that design company handed off a really beautiful finished product, but then the client, you know, maybe it's built on show it or Squarespace. So they, they do feel comfortable going in and making some updates and they see that it looks great on desktop, but they forget to check that mobile view. And so when they publish it, it, it breaks essentially. And so, so many people are looking at you for the first time on their mobile device that it has to be just as seamless, if not more so than the desktop version. So doing a quick scan, like let's, if you have an iPhone too, try and see if you can look at a friend's Android, like look at your site on multiple types of devices and then look at it on multiple browsers. So maybe like Chrome and Safari, because there can be different issues that show up on both. And so that's something that I recommend doing anytime you're updating your site, just do that last check on mobile to make sure that it looks great because we frequently see problems in that area. I think that's solid insight. Most people don't look at it on their phone because they're making the changes on mobile and they're like, yep. or they're making their changes on desktop. Yeah. yeah. And so they're like, okay, great. I'm all done. Boom. It looks good. Um, yeah. when, when I do my, when I do my sales process audits and my secret shopping for inquiries, I always do it on mobile because I know that that's what 70 plus percent of the potential clients are looking at first. That's one of the reasons why I'm such a, 
uh, a nag on the contact form field just because it may be easy when you're able to type 60 plus words a minute, but when you're doing it with your thumbs <laughs> and autocorrect doesn't work, like it's a, it's a real nightmare to go through and try and complete a contact form. And, and so, um, looking at things on mobile is, is really important. Oftentimes the words will be overlapped in weird areas and important information is hidden and it, and it just looks unprofessional and it looks like you aren't paying attention to the details. And if you are a floor designer or a stationer or uh, you know a wedding planner and and you talk about how you pay attention to details in the copy but the site itself is not designed mobile friendly that is it creates a, a a miscommunication from the messages that you're communicating and the actual copy or design on your site and when those things are at odds people start to have doubt and you're already disadvantaged when they when they're looking at your business so Good insight. All right, Carly, I'm going to ask you one last question here. And that is, if you could wave a magic wand, and we love this question. We ask this of our clients uh, when we when we interview them for uh, communication strategies, and the answers are always fun. So if you could wave a, a magic wand over the wedding industry when it came to websites for business owners, what would be the one thing that you would want to change for the better? Mm. Well, let me throw out just a minor thing and then I'll say an overarching thing that I think is really the most important. A minor thing is everybody needs to update their portfolio more frequently than they're doing and you need to have a blog. I have heard wedding pros be like, oh, blogging is dead. And that's absolutely not the case. Creating a blog, even if you're only posting to it once a month, is the best way to help improve your SEO in an organic way. You know, every time you do a new blog entry, you are essentially expanding the footprint of your site. You're giving yourself more opportunities to be discovered. You should be using Pinterest to blow that, you know, blog up and keep directing traffic to your site. And if you think that your site, you know, just, oh, boom, I went live. Okay, now my website's going to do all the work for me. It's just, it's not the case. And it's not something that you, you press launch and then it's done. You need to continuously be like building into the footprint of your site through new blogs, through new and fresh portfolio events that show that, yes, we're actively working. Yes. Here's our latest look how again, detail oriented we are and up to date we are. That's really, really important. And your, your website really is at the center of this ecosystem of marketing. So you should, all of your efforts should be, you know, moving towards getting people onto your website and helping drive additional traffic. And that's just going to help you keep rising up in the ranks. So that's really important. Another thing that I feel like for me, I see a lot of this maybe has more to do with the rebranding side of things and the logo design, but that plays a huge role, obviously, into the look and feel of your website as well. We do see a lot of people who want to come to us with a pre-existing brand and basically say, I want to be look like this, like just remake this, but make it look enough like me to not look like I copied. And <laughs> I, <laughs> you, you, you got to give kudos for the, for their honesty. Yeah. It's like, I know what I like. I like this and I get it because I'm a creative. So I think we're, a lot of us are very visual. And if you see something that's already been done it's, and you know, you like it, it's like, Oh, that's me. But that is not the best place to start when you are trying to create your own unique original brand. Like same thing with copywriting, like do not take somebody's site and be like, I like this, but I'm just going to like change three words here and then copy and paste onto my site. Like that's plagiarism. It's not going to get you discovered. If anything, it's going to get you pushed down, you know, in your rankings. And we really love when people come to the table with inspirations that are like, from their travels or, you know, here's like my ideal client, like here's a wedding that we did for them. It was so beautiful. Here's why I loved working with them. Here's how I felt in that moment. We like to start with inspirations that are personal to you and to your clients and then to design something really special from that place so that it is one of a kind and it, it stands out, it stands apart. A few years ago, like everybody was all into the rose gold and the calligraphy and, you know, like everybody was, was doing that then now we're seeing, you know, there's new trends that are a lot more pulled back. There's a ton of like 
negative space and white and neutrals and serif fonts. And, and that's cool. Like trends do come and go though. So if you're going to invest in a rebrand and a whole website overhaul, start with inspirations that are truly personal to you and think about your ideal client, know them inside and out and like, let that be kind of the base of your inspiration. And I think you'll get a much more exciting end result than if you just are like, Oh, I see what, you know, KT Mary is doing and it's working really well for her. So I want to be like in this vein, there's nothing wrong with looking to people who inspire you, but you know, you, you can, you should find what's true to you. I think that's a great point because Katie's great, but she has a very different buyer than most of the people who are in the wedding industry. You know, she's, you know, top 25, 50 photographers in the world. And she's working with clients that are very different from the other 99% of wedding photographers. And so her logo may speak to her buyer, but your logo, if done the same way, won't speak to your buyer. And, you know, one of the things that Katie and I love so much about working with Carly and Taylor is that we see eye to eye on doing everything from the inside out. And at the inside is the core, the core of the the person who's going to be on the site. And then after that, it's the what the brand stands for and what the brand represents and wants to communicate. And so everything that we do when we work on copy or, or Carly works on the, the branding and then we bring that together with the design is, is going to center on this communication strategy that begins with the buyer, the ideal buyer and the psychology of the ideal buyer and the communication preferences of the ideal buyer and what they're looking for. And then it, it goes out from there. So please, if you're thinking about looking for a new website, recognize that no matter what route you take, no matter who you get to help you, or if you do it all on your own, that it's not necessarily about you. It's about your buyer and what is important and interesting to them. And then you want to make sure that you have your voice and your values infused throughout everything. I will say that if you are interested in working with Carly and and Taylor with Rightfully Said on visual branding, by all means, reach out to them. If you are interested in working with them on uh, website design and you're thinking that you want to have copy to start, as we both talked about, how important that is, um, please reach out to us. You can Sam at ID Action Consulting or hit us up on Instagram. You know, when we do full projects with Carly and Taylor, we always start with the communication strategy and the copywriting and then move into the visual branding and the design work. And so uh, reach out to us and we can get you started on that. If you are interested in DIYing your site and you want to have a jump start on a template that is more than just uh, something that you upload into ShowIt, we do have ShowIt and also Squarespace templates that are available that we collaborated on. Uh, Katie and I did with Carly and Taylor. They're called Compass Websites. And we offer not just beautifully designed, phone-friendly, easy-to-customize website templates, but they also have the step-by-step directions on what goes where in all of the different parts of the template. So you can know that you're putting the right info in the right place. and also doing it in the right way. Uh, It comes with a 20 plus page exercise book on how to create messaging and uh, core parts of the website, as well as about three hours worth of video tutorials to walk you through some of the website copy and design best practices, as well as step-by-step on each one of the big pages, home about services, contact, blog, and portfolio. So whether you are ready to move on to have somebody else do it for you who is an expert or you are just now beginning and you want to bootstrap it but want some help to do it along the way, um, we have a solution for you. And I hope that you reach out. It's never too early to start the project. I hope that you got some quick fixes. Carly, thanks so much for your insight. Anything else that you want to add before we say goodbye? I'd love for people to know how to reach you or follow along if they wanted to. (laughs) This is kind of funny, but we're actually in the middle of a rebrand and a website overhaul for ourselves. So like if you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't really know where to start, like I feel you and it's really, really hard to 
create like this entire, you know, website and logo and branding suite for yourself. It's just, it's hard. And even for you, (laughs) even for us. Yes. And that's why, like, so we have as a member of our team, Tori, she's incredible. She's our lead designer. And I'm like, Tori, you've got to take the reins on this. Like I literally can't design for our own company. It's, it's too hard. So I even am going to somebody, of course, within our company, but who I'm like, I need another eye. And so if like, don't, don't feel discouraged if, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed. That's why we're here is to help direct that process. And yeah, we would love to be of assistance. I'd love to tell you to follow us on Instagram. To be honest with you, we are too busy managing our clients, Instagram accounts to update it, but we are out there at rightfully said. So we do occasionally post some reels and some stories. Uh, It's one of our goals to start self-marketing a little bit more, but for now we're kind of in the trenches of just trying to do really excellent work for our clients. And yeah, we love partnering with you guys. The last, last thing I guess I would say is that we have seen some of our most successful projects to date come out of our partnership with you guys, just getting the feedback from clients who have gone through the process, like and particularly the clients who have done everything, right? Like the ones who come in based on their brand communication strategy, we do a whole new logo. We do a new style kit, a fresh website. And that website just instantly almost pays for itself because they're starting to get those incredible and exciting inquiries from the types of clients that they've been trying to attract, but haven't really known how to get. And we love hearing those testimonials. And I definitely think there's a lot more of them out there that we can, we can do together. Yeah, that's great. Well, we, we've been very happy with things and I think we both come from a service first mentality and, you know, thanks for being so open about your perspective on websites and, and what the process has been like. I know you've worked on your fair share and have a unique perspective on the wedding industry with all the things that you've done for it. So thanks for your time, Carly. I really appreciate it. And um, thanks for listening to this episode of Own Your Business.